Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand, and I'm not the host today because I'm going to be giving you an interview that I did on my friend Mike Mutzel's podcast, and it was a fun show. I didn't realize how fired up I was during this show until I actually listened back to it. So I think you're going to get a lot of gold out today. You know, behind the microphone, sometimes I'm not able to interject because I'm trying to let the guests speak. But I was able to open the can of worms today and reveal all the, the latest research and stuff I've been geeking out on when I was writing Stress Solutions, my second book. And it's a good time. Now, there are eight spots left for my four-month coaching program, if you've heard me mention it. Spots are filling up. There's 12 people on the planet that are going to be able to do the four-month coaching program. So email me directly, not just paleo at gmail, and let me know what you're going through, and I'll tell you if I can help you. So here we go. Well, the main thing that was really helpful and really kind of mind-blowing in the research was forest bathing. Uh, I like to use the other word that the Japanese use for it, shinrin-yoku. It kind of translates to taking in the atmosphere of the forest. And I really wanted to bring this up because it seems like a no-brainer. Like, duh, nature's good for you. But when you actually see verified science that a salivary cortisol measure was taken before and after, just 15 minutes after walking in the forest, there was a 50% reduction in cortisol levels from the woods hello and welcome back to episode number 87 with evan brand thanks so much for tuning in and i wanted to let you know a little bit more about where you can find additional information about the topics that we cover in this episode and evan shared a bunch of great books that i think you might want to learn a little bit more about such as learning about dirty electricity and and different tools and tips that you should be aware of in for example the tri-field meter that he's going to suggest books on grounding which are great and books on productivity we get into business and mindset and focus ways to minimize distraction turning off your iphone alerts and instagram and facebook alerts and so forth but most importantly we talked about natural ways that you can cut your body's stress response just by getting outside more and believe it or not there's a huge body of research showing that foresting or forest bathing is actually linked with a dramatic reduction in cortisol and an increase in your body's innate immune response which are two things we're all trying to do is prevent age-related inflammatory diseases also known as inflammation aging, uh, cancer, autoimmunity, but also minimize the stress response. We're all bombarded with various psychological and physiologic stressors, toxic stressors, and much more. So it's important to get outside, reconnect with nature, get grounded, do some forest bathing, and calm down your body's stress response. Visit notjustpaleo.com slash EMF, and you can find all the resources that I'm about to talk about in this episode with Mike Mutzel here. So enjoy the show. It's Mike Mutzel. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're live with Evan Brand, and we're going to talk about getting your REM sleep back on board and combating stress and really just reconnecting with nature, getting rid of electromagnetic frequencies and you know dirty electricity and a whole bunch of cool stuff. So Evan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. We've already gotten great feedback from your show. You were just on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and people are like, man, this Mike guy is pretty cool. So um, I'm glad to be on your show now. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the reciprocity and thanks again for having me on. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, we talked a lot about like fat burning and some cool stuff regarding, uh, exercise and functional fitness and so forth. So for folks that aren't familiar with, with your show, why don't you kind of talk about not just paleo and where they can learn more about your podcast before we dive into it? Sure. Yeah. It's called not just paleo is my podcast, uh, because a lot of people, I would say 90% of my clients that I work with one-on-one are already doing a paleo diet and they're still struggling. Uh, a lot of that, 
which you're probably figuring out and have already figured out it has to do with like methylation and spinach isn't a blanket food for everybody, you know? So uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about over there at the show. I've been on air since 2012. So this will be my three-year anniversary this winter. Trained in nutrition, that's sort of where I start with people, but I've been learning and researching and experimenting and now clinically using herbs and adaptogens and nutrients and things like that to really help people round out their health protocol, whether uh, it's somebody already doing a paleo diet or something similar. And they just can't figure out why they still feel like crap. That's kind of where I come in. So I wouldn't quite call it functional medicine, but essentially that's what it is. But even a lot of people lately come to me that have already worked with functional medicine practitioners and they think I have something even more to offer than that. So kind of a, I don't know, kind of honored to be able to say that. That's cool. So where do you start with these people? Like, let's say someone does the uh, functional medicine doc, which we have a lot of uh, our listeners are a lot of practitioners. Um, where would you start with them? I mean, do you look at what sort of questions do you ask? I mean, are you running labs or are you, you know, talk, walk us through that. Yeah. So uh, for example, a client just signed up yesterday and she's in her fifties and she's already been the functional medicine medicine route. She luckily kind of saves me some of the testing things. She's had some recent uh, adrenal testing. She's got a full hormone panel and all that. So basically I'll look over that. But most of the time it's starting with the food journal. I have everybody complete a three-day food journal. And I mean, you'd be amazed how much stuff you can find from then. I mean, you know, but typically three-day food journal and then just finding out their top symptoms whether they're having some gut symptoms, whether they're having adult acne, whether they can't fall asleep or they can't stay asleep. Those are sort of my biggest red flags that I'll really try to hit on. Love it. So let's kind of talk about the things that, that you'll do to, uh, you know, kind of change someone's lifestyle. I know EMFs are a big one for you, you know, managing stress. Maybe there's some different hacks and tips you have for that and then getting people back on sleep. So maybe let's kind of hit those three things if you want. Sure. Yeah. So first I'll start with stress. We're not really prepared for the type of stress that we have in the modern world. And everybody uses the tiger analogy. You know, humans are built to run from tigers, but we're not built to run from tigers every 30 seconds when we get an email notification, a text message notification. So typically one of the first lifestyle measures I recommend is to just disable all notifications. And it took me a really long time to do this as a business owner myself. I just come on, I want to see the sale come in, right? So I've turned off Gmail notifications. I recommend all my clients do that. And even social media notifications, Instagram, you know, they have every, everybody wants to pull you. And this is actually a marketing strategy that companies use. They, you know, to design a successful program, you create something that creates a pull. So, oh, I want to see what Instagram, what did I miss? They call it FOMO syndrome, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. They have to create that. And I tell people, look, we have to we have to get rid of this because this is going to be creating small spikes in hormones, whether it's cortisol, adrenaline, something. We don't even have to pinpoint exactly what's going on. But the fact is that is engaging your sympathetic mode. And we're supposed to be in that a, a fraction of our existence. And now we're in sympathetic 99% of the time. And then parasympathetic, maybe, hopefully, that one week of the year where we go to Florida with our family, we can finally chill out and engage the parasympathetic. So um, as far as stress, how do I generalize what I just described? Reducing the number of inputs. That's what it boils down to. 
Yeah, let's kind of expand on that. I think that's a really good point, Evan. And, you know, these are small little subtle things that people don't really think about. You know, a common question that I get is, I feel like I'm eating everything right and I'm exercising right, but I still can't lose weight. And so just something like you just said, well, how many alerts do you have? You know, uh, meal timing, you know, what's your stress level? And I think this is an important point, not just for achieving a healthy body, but, you know, financially, just having a clear head, being focused in in, in what your big why is, what your big long-term goals are whether they're business or financial or with your family, whatever it may be, spiritual. If you're constantly being buzzed and you know dinged and all this from, you know, Twitter sends you an email, YouTube, I like, you know, that YouTube sends you an email when you get, you know, if you subscribe to a channel. But like you said, I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I mean, and everyone's using all these different platforms. So one tip, I like your tips. One thing that I do too is I just turn my uh, phone on airplane mode more often than not anymore. And then I just schedule certain times, just like we had a meeting here, you and I today, Day, Evan, we scheduled this and we stuck with it. Then I just schedule times in my day that the phone is on. I'm returning emails, re- returning text messages, and things of that sort. Any tips or strategies there? Well, I just try to basically get something done. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a blog post or editing a podcast or whatever it is. But when I wake up, I try to live by the sun. So I try to get up pretty early after sunrise and I'll just try to work before checking email. And it sounds like, oh, just do some work before you check email. It sounds simple, but I mean, it's seriously, especially this week, it's created this snowball effect where every day I just wake up and I'm ready to go. And I find a lot of time, and and this is sort of the productivity space, a lot of time people are just so concerned about trying to optimize everything. Like I need to optimize my schedule. And they focus so much on like tweaking this and tweaking that, that they're spending time just spinning their wheels. They're doing, you're doing nothing. You're optimizing the time that you're on social media. How about just don't do it and then just do the work. It sounds simple, but just do the work. If they haven't read Stephen Pressfield's do the work, that book will give you the real kick that you need to understand that take action and then enjoy your time. Like then I'll get on social media, then I'll check email. But, um, this past week here, I've stuck very diligent to, I need to get something done. I've been working on this project. It's called health blogger pro to basically show people how do you make an online health business. And my goal every day was to, to finish a new, a new module. And so every day this week I finished a new module and I just recorded all the videos and uh, I'd go make a shake, record the videos. Okay. Now I can get on email and I'll tell you, you almost get high from the euphoria of being productive for once. That's amazing. I love that. And you know, that productivity is the best motivator. I can resonate with that because for years, you know, I started my first website in 2009 and would do a blog post and then think about doing a blog post and think about creating a product. And then like three years went by and I'm like, man, I I totally missed out. You know, what, what was I, I was always thinking about the next thing, but instead, like you just said, Evan, you just have to do. And once you start creating, uh, you know, products and content, whether it's physical or in the online space, that's just a motivator to create more. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I'm just now getting around to this, but this has been on my little my little post-it for too long. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just have to get in the trenches. And I don't think people understand that there's a huge difference between action and inaction. I mean, it feels good. You probably get a hit a little a, a little hit of dopamine writing things down. Ooh, this is going to be the next million dollar idea. But 
to your customers, to your audience out there, for anybody that's in the world of startups or anything or trying to make it for yourself, 99% complete is the same thing as 0% complete to your customers. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, since we're on this topic, Evan, I didn't think we'd talk about business, but I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of go down that road. A lot of healthcare practitioners, fitness professionals, yeah, um, I mean, yoga teachers, it doesn't matter. Everyone's trying to build a brand online and, and get themselves out there. So maybe what is your product? What sort of tips and, and tricks are you offering? Or what's the kind of foundation of the system? Yeah, so this is just kind of a, it's, it's a really fun project. It's all video-based. And it's, it's called Health Blogger Pro. It should be done here in a couple months or so. Uh, depending on when this show goes up, it may be launched by then. But it's modules that show you everything from how to actually register a domain to how do you add media to what does workflow look like? How do you go from recording a show like this to actually adding your meta tags, your keywords? How do you add a featured image? What about podcast hosting? Where do you upload? And then I actually go into... There's a whole section on generating income, for example. I've written two pretty successful ebooks and an online coaching program. And I kind of show the behind the scenes of if you want to do Amazon, you can do that route. You can self publish. How do you do affiliate marketing? Where do you recommend people go for affiliates? And then the last part of it, of course, there's some stuff in between that. How do you do basic photo editing in Lightroom, things like that. Um, and then the final one is coaching strategy. When you're actually a coach and you actually want to help people, how do you stay productive? How do you manage your calendar as opposed to you just like, being scatterbrained all the time. Oh, there's Wi-Fi at Starbucks. I'm going to jump on and try to respond to this client. Yeah. You're not going to, you can't scale a business that way. You have to set some things in stone and get really aligned and get very, I don't know if I would call it, what do you call that? I guess just organized would be a simple way to put it. Get very organized with how you handle your clients. And then that way you can scale up as opposed to just bootstrapping it. it the wheels will fall off pretty quick. And I've done that. So that's awesome. I think what kind of holds people up is they don't know the small little steps that, that can get content out there. So they just get hung up on, on things. And what's nice is, you know, you can either do it yourself. Like I think you and I do, or for a very low amount of money, you can outsource it, but you have to kind of no little tricks. You don't get totally ripped off, but that sounds cool. So yeah, definitely let us know when that's available and we'll, we'll let our listeners, if, if they're interested, learn more about that. So let's explore the eBooks a little bit more, maybe kind of finish up on stress. So, so we talked about avoiding all these distractions and buzzes from our cell phones and email and stuff like that. Uh, what other tips or tricks do you have that you want to share? Well, the main thing that you and I have talked about off air that was really helpful and really kind of mind blowing in the research was forest bathing. Uh, I like to use the other word that the Japanese use for it. Shinrin Yoku. Uh, that's it's kind of translates to taking in the atmosphere of the forest. And I just, I really wanted to bring this up because it seems like a no brainer, like duh, nature's good for you. But when you actually see verified science that a salivary cortisol measure was taken before and after just 15 minutes after walking in the forest, there was a 50% reduction in cortisol levels from the woods. Um, also the NK killer cells, your, your anti-cancer proteins, you know, these things were boosted over 20% by 15 minutes of walking in the forest. So we're so concerned and you see the pink ribbons everywhere, you know, buy this little magnet, put it on your car. You're going to fight cancer. No, the best way or not the best, but one of the ways to fight cancer, instead of going and buying a magnet, encourage your friends to go on a walk in the woods together. And, um, this, some of these similar studies found that even one month after your time in the woods, your immune system was still boosted by 20%. That's amazing. A month, a month after. 
That's crazy. I love it. And to take it a step further for people that, that want to do that, well, a couple of things here. I'm just thinking about individuals that live in a real kind of like a, in the city and so forth. That can be challenging. I travel to Chicago quite frequently. And what's nice about that is there's parks everywhere. You know, New York City, San Francisco, Chicago, major cities have a lot of open spaces and parks. And so that's just, it may not be as good as the forest that's totally remote, but if that's all you have, you just got to deal with what you have. And to take it a step further, I think we talked about this last time, walking around barefoot. I mean, this is huge. It sounds so simple and you look like a hippie, and, but I definitely recommend it. It will make your feet stronger and you really get reconnected with nature, energetically grounding, but also just the sensations of touching roots and rocks and the dirt and, you know, walking through, it sounds gross, but like a little swamp and so forth. And I found that to be really effective. Do you want to kind of talk about grounding and, and what you've explored there? Totally. And it's, it's silly that you have to make the little caveat. Oh, you look like a hippie. It's like, no, you look like a human from a few thousand years ago. You know, that's, that's, that's the truth. And we are more, we sort of walk on the planet like aliens now. I mean, we're just, we have to cover everything up, right? You got to cover your, all your, all your, your body and your feet, and you got to have layers of protection and you, you got to wear sunglasses to cover your eyes. I mean, we just love, obviously there's profit involved with these industries. Oh, convince everybody you need sunglasses. Um, but anyway, it's, I'm a little bit off subject. Yes. Grounding is super helpful. And it's, it's one of those things that I've, I never really judged. I've always been open to it. Um, but after I read the book, you know, earthing the most important health discovery ever with the question mark on the end. And, um, Dr. Steven Sinatra, he's done a lot of work into earthing and grounding mats and grounding sheets and things like that. I have a grounding mat that I'll sleep on sometimes, but, uh, now that I have a new house with a huge backyard, I just go out there and walk every day. And we've had ridiculous amount of rain so it's super juicy back there <laughs> and i've just, and i've just been out there walking basically just getting muddy and there's just a little faucet right there and i'll just wash off some of the mud before i come back inside but i've noticed a huge reduction in my overall stress levels and you know mike i just want to mention a lot of people in 2015 and, and heading into the heading deeper into the technological age a lot of people are feeling very ungrounded uh people are away from their families people are moving across country uh, internationally for for job opportunities and things like that and people don't have a sense of connectedness to the earth they're they're caught up in the digital age which a lot of my clients have anxiety about this and uh i'd say Eight out of 10 people that I tell as far as my clients to, I need you to put your bare feet in the dirt or the sand or the dust, whatever you have, just 15 minutes a day for me, a few times a week, eight out of 10 clients report reduced anxiety, increased um, connectedness, and just a general better mood. So um, that's at least my clinical experience with it. But if people do dig into studies, you'll find it you'll find it there. You'll find uh, reductions in inflammation and things like that. So, I mean, the benefits are just, I don't think we fully know what the benefits are because we haven't been looking at it. There's not going to be much money made by telling people, Hey, go put your feet in the mud. Yeah. Good luck uh, getting a sponsorship for that study. No, I agree with you. I, I used to just do it at the end of my hikes because honestly, I didn't want to get dirty and I was kind of being a pansy about it. I mean, full disclosure. And, um, and since we have recently, uh, well, in the last year, we moved to a different place uh, in Kirkland and this 
trail. I think I told you about it last time, Evan, uh, Bastyr University, which is where one of the naturopathic schools is, has a lot of open space here. And so we take our, our two dogs and uh, my daughter and we just do this walk like pretty much every evening, at least three days a week, not every evening. And now I've, I've convinced my wife to walk bare feet as well. And at first she was reluctant and thought, oh man, that's weird. And then the very first time she couldn't do it the whole time because her feet hurt and then she can now make it through the whole loop. And so I agree with you. I mean, I remember waking up, um, you know, many times throughout my life since the iPhone and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And just feeling like, just like this racing mind, I, I guess you could say it's anxiety or just restlessness. Like you mentioned your verbatim ungrounded. And since that, I feel a lot more centered, a lot more grounded. Uh, it's easier to get into a coherent mental state with heart math and so forth. And we finished the hike off. I'd love to hear your perspective on this by just jumping in the lake and it's freezing cold, but that's a great way to kind of wake up the central nervous system and maybe activate brown fat. Uh, any thoughts on water immersions? Oh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I'm a fan of water immersion in a float tank just to try to engage your sort of parasympathetic mode. But yeah, I mean, uh, water is water is life. And when I lived in Texas in a drought, when you don't have the opportunity to just jump in water like that, you start thinking in this weird scarcity mindset. But if there's just a big lush lake for you to jump in, uh, it's great. And I, de I definitely, of course, I don't have proof here, but I definitely think it could sort of wake up and realign the HPA axis. If you're starting to get some disruption in the signal where maybe you're inflamed, but you don't know it, you sort of wake up that signal with that nervous system. Oh crap. Now I realize my elbow hurts, but your system was sort of numb. You were numb to your own reality until you got woken up by a small positive stressor like cold water. And the way I look at it is like an interval. You know, I mean, we do sprints, you know, we do push-ups, you know, I'm saying we like people that are fit like yourself, you and I, Evan. And one way to kind of activate your nervous system is through uh, like public speaking. That's going to get your HPA axis pretty fired up, right? And also cold stress. And so it's just, we're trying to figure out all these different ways where we can add some, you know, cause some adaptation in our body so that we're stronger for the next event. So awesome tips. Now you mentioned sunglasses and sunlight, and let's kind of talk about the importance of daytime sunlight and why maybe we shouldn't be wearing sunglasses. Oh, totally. So a lot of people, uh, and I kind of talk with some of my teachers about this, a lot of people up in Portland area, I hear that they wear a lot of sunglasses up there, even when it's not sunny all the time. Of course, you know, a cloudy day could be sort of bright, but we should be adapted for that your eyes should be able to handle bright light. And a lot of the times it's linked to adrenal issues. So if you're experiencing some stage of adrenal fatigue, you're going to have a lot more light sensitivity. You may even have auras and migraines and all of that. And that all kind of ties into you just being burnt out at some level with your adrenals. And you're basically taking the load off of your adrenals by putting on these sunglasses. You're therefore reducing the light input, but light is, uh, you know, well, cortisol is driven by light. So when you wake up in the morning, you want that that boost of cortisol in the morning. You need to get outside. And you know, a lot of people wake up in their house and they'll just drink a cup of coffee and they'll jump in the car and go straight to work. Well, you've missed out on peaking your cortisol for the day. So now you're going to be sort of slumping. You've kind of had a half-charged battery throughout the entire day. Now your battery is going to fizzle out by three. It's no wonder you're crashing. So um, as far as, you know, how do you turn this into an actionable strategy? Even if it's cold outside, it doesn't matter. Get outside, 
as soon as you can, when you wake up and try to get about five to 10 minutes of bright light into your eyes, if the sun is not too high up, then you could kind of gaze at the sun. That's okay. It's not going to hurt you. And uh, it's actually going to really help you. There was a recent study that came out or not, not a study, but sort of a, I guess like a statistic on myopia, you know, nearsightedness. And I think it's like 80 to 90% of, I don't know if it was Taiwan or some country uh, over in the East, they, it was like 80 to 90% of the population under age 25 had nearsightedness. And it shows this picture of all these, all these kids, you know, this Asian population, they all have glasses on. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, well, we're staring at screens, but also we're not getting outside and you're not going to get the same uh, transfer of energy through a window. So, oh, I'm sitting by a window right now that window is still going to be blocking some of the beneficial rays that your eyes need a to keep that muscle healthy, but B to stimulate your, to stimulate and regulate your circadian rhythm. So, um, a lot of people, they just, they, they need more bright light is, is a simple way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And just another simple strategy, like we mentioned, you know, getting out in the forest, taking your shoes off, jumping in cold water. I mean, imagine this waking up and sitting outside and meditating or doing some light yoga and stretches outside in the sunlight. I mean, come on, there's, this is very, everything we've mentioned, Evan is free. It's inexpensive. It's, It's right there in your environment. And And just to kind of talk about the circadian rhythm, I mean, there's no greater stimulus, like you mentioned, light first thing in the morning to to the circadian clock system. And I think that's why a lot of people, like you said, they they have coffee, they get in the car, they hop on the train, they're in a totally artificially lighted environment. And then what do they do when they get home? They're on their iPads, their iPhones, their Kindles, they're watching TV. So circadian rhythms get all awry. And then we have insulin resistance and prediabetes and belly fat and inflammation and so forth. So... um, Love that tip. And, you know, for the record, I think, I think there's some value, you know, if you're going to be outside for a long period of time with sunglasses or in, you know, over water, but make a concerted effort to spend at least some of your day with direct exposure to your eyes, you know, to the outdoors. Yeah. I mean, I own, I own sunglasses. I really love polarized sunglasses so you can see the fish in the water and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely try to balance it out and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, what about, windshields on cars those aren't paleo right you know that's a new thing we're not adjusted to that but that sort of mimics the lake effect that you would have so in certain occasions when you're in a bunch of traffic and there's just windshields and angles everywhere that's okay go ahead use your sunglasses there but don't be one of those people that you have them on like you're going out into like you're going on to mars you got to put your gas mask and your glasses on before you walk out the front door give yourself some (laughs) give yourself some time Right, right. Well, I think people use certain people um, use sunglasses to kind of avoid social interaction, you know, so it's common, like when you go to a grocery store or a convenience store, whatever it is, getting gas, you know, even sometimes to a social event, a party, people keep their sunglasses on uh, inside. And I think it's a way for them to kind of avoid eye contact or they can kind of tune out or get their on their phone or whatever it may be. So, so don't be that person. You know, you look pretty silly when you have your glasses on uh, inside, <laughs> you know, so. You know what I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't know if you remember Adam Sandler's movie, Big Daddy where he basically takes this little kid and uh, he ends up kind of like adopting this little kid, so to speak. And he tells him, you know, anytime you want to be invisible, just put these glasses on. And he had these big sunglasses and then he would show up to parties and just have his glasses on and they would act like he was invisible. And um, I totally agree with you. A lot of people, um, they try to avoid eye contact and 
that's, you know, this is a, it doesn't matter because this is all related to being a, being a human, but this is a, an increasingly larger problem because people are more adapt to talking through a screen or talking via text. And I thrive in person to person environments. And there's some people that I can't even get them to look at me face to face. And it's a huge, it's a huge, like it's a disruption of your energy. You can't really connect with people if you can't make good eye contact. So uh, I just, I just fear that with this much technology that we almost need to have a class in school of teaching people how to do proper face-to-face communication. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. That, it's a really big deal. Um, yeah. And especially the little ones, I mean, and, you know, I have a three-year-old and we're busy. And, and so if we're working and making dinner and stuff, I mean, I admit we give her 45 minutes of the iPad. And so, so kids nowadays are attuned to just kind of doing the screen time stuff at an earlier and earlier in age. So for parents, I think it's something to be mindful of because not only just from the energetic component and like we talked about uh, EMFs and, and exposure there, but also just, you know, some of the you know, structural issues, musculoskeletal issues with, you know, bending down, always looking at your phone or looking at your uh, uh, iPad or whatever. Um, now, before we transition to evening routines, and I know you have some some cool tips and strategies there to cut stress and improve REM sleep, let's kind of talk about EMFs and dirty electricity and you know, fill us in there. Yeah. So this is the, this is where the, the part of your show where a percentage of your people pull out the tinfoil hats, but uh, EMF is, I don't know why, I don't know why it's still a controversial issue. I mean, our bodies run on electrical signals. Our heart runs on electrical impulses. You know, a lot of electricity is sort of how we operate. So, um, to bring up the point that Wi-Fi, cell phone towers, magnetic fields, what they call non-native EMF. There is some sort of a little bit of electromagnetic pollution on the planet just naturally, but there's never been satellites beaming down from outer space onto you. And uh, there's a couple different studies out there that actually show that it's, it's called EMR, in this case, not EMF, but EMR, electromagnetic radiation, reducing melatonin. Now, melatonin, everybody knows, is your sleep hormone, but melatonin also fights cancer. So, one could somewhat correlate, but not causate, that increased electricity on the planet, therefore reducing melatonin, therefore reducing our anti-cancer hormone, therefore increase cancer. So um, it's not a surprise to me that the United States and Australia and a lot of the developed countries where we have all these tech toys everywhere and cell phone towers within a hundred yards of your house and your head every day, it's no surprise that we have a higher incidence of Alzheimer's and uh, other brain degeneration issues. Obviously, diet's a component to that. Obviously, modern life and stress and pollutants are an aspect of that. But EMF is a pollutant, um, which is why if my clients are not getting better, then I will recommend that they at least turn off their Wi-Fi at night at a minimum. And they can also get a meter called a tri-field meter, and they can actually go around their house and measure their dirty electricity. And uh, if people want to hear more about this because they they think I'm not the, the best voice. I'm not a, a complete expert in this. The guy who is, is Dr. Samuel Milham. And he was a medical doctor. He came on my podcast that people should check out. And he wrote a book called Dirty Electricity and the Diseases of Modern Civilization. And he actually did his own research inside Malibu High School, where a lot of 
teachers were getting thyroid nodules and thyroid cancers and things like that, which is very um, in the realm of your audience. And he went in there and started doing some measurements and found very high levels of what he calls dirty electricity, which is essentially high frequency electric current that's coming through the outlets. So he paid to fix it out of his own pocket because the electrical companies will not and their thyroid cancers, tumors, nodules, they all disappeared. Wow. So where can we access the meter to assess this? Yeah, you could get that on Amazon. I think it's about a hundred bucks. It's called a tri-field meter. And what you're going to be measuring is magnetic fields. And you don't want anything over about one milligauss around yourself ever, but especially in your bedroom. And I actually got uh, pretty, I wouldn't say pretty sick, but very bad sleep when I first moved into a new apartment in Austin, when I was still living there and I brought the tri-field meter into the bedroom and I was measuring five milligauss, which is highly, highly magnetic field for the human brain. And I was not sleeping. I was not dreaming. I told the apartment people, look, I I can't do this apartment. I went downstairs and I measured down there and it was fine, maybe half a milligauss. And I ended up talking to one of like the maintenance heads there. And I found out that the company uh, who built the apartment complexes, they wired the entire power source for the whole building. They wedged it in between the first floor ceiling and the second floor floor. So that's why when I held the trifield meter close to my floor, I was getting like 10 milligauss. And I mean, you think about your kid and your pets rolling around on the floor around 10 times magnetic fields stronger than they're supposed to be. Uh, A lot of people, I don't know why they wired it that way, but I mean, I could measure it. And I said, there's something in this floor. And I found out, oh yeah, that's where we run the main power supply. So um, crazy, crazy story. Yeah, that's wild. Um, the home that we're in right now here in Kirkland, uh, Washington, it's uh, we're in the basement. Kind of, that's just it's an older home. All the living space is up upstairs, kind of thing, and then the rooms are down below. And we sleep amazing. I mean, our sleep is just amazingly good. Our daughter sleeps like no kidding, like ten to twelve hours. I mean, we're out. I can remember all my dreams. Whereas before, you know, when we've used to, you know, have rental properties in Colorado and different places, and kind of more in an urban environment, and uh, would never sleep like that. Six hours was considered like good. We know that sleep is so important. So, you know, I wonder if we're just kind of, you know, by building up, a lot of people want to have big homes and be up and have a view, but you wonder if you're more close to to, some of these dirty electricity, you know, outlets and so forth. So I like that trifold meter. Um, now what else, so what can you do? So, so say you can't move, if someone's listening, they own their home, they get a trifold meter. Um, what can they do about these, you know, the dirty electricity? So we would probably have to do an entire podcast on this, which I'd be happy to do because they're, you know, we have to make the distinction of what you're actually trying to target because you have RF fields, which is like microwave radiation. You have cell phone towers, which are a different wavelength of radiation. You have Wi-Fi. And then you have magnetic fields and dirty electricity. So there's basically four different bad guys that sort of get lumped into EMF, but you have to treat each of them differently. Magnetic fields, there's not really much you can do besides fix the wiring issues or move. Um, Dirty electricity, however, that's measured as high frequency. There's another... meter that you can buy called a micro surge meter. And you plug this up to, this was invented by a guy named Dave Stetzer. uh, And he's actually invented these filters as well. And you plug it in to your outlet. It's just a plug. You plug it into the outlet and it gives you a reading and anything over 50 of these units that he's basically come up with anything over 50 is not good. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the guys who I had on my show, 
he's convinced that his mother developed cancer because he he's he, I can't remember his name right off the bat, but he's a guy who's done a lot of uh, EMF consulting in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he went and tested his mother's home, and she had twenty thousand was the reading and it's supposed to be less than 50. And he said that he had heart palpitations as soon as he walked in there before he even measured it. Obviously some people have more electromagnetic sensitivity than others, but he started getting heart palpitations and he assumed, man, there's probably some really bad issues here. He popped it on and it blew up his meter. And so he had to get the meter that measures like 10 times bigger levels because his was not sensitive enough to read it. It got overloaded and he plugged it up and it was, it was 20,000. So, um, you know, that he was convinced that that's what causes his mother's cancer and killed her because everything else seemed to be promoting her health. And then all of a sudden this extreme sickness just sort of came out of nowhere. Um, like I said, Mike, it's, it's controversial subject. A lot of people, um, they just kind of roll their eyes at this, but you have some, some anecdotal evidence. I have evidence. I'd say once again, eight out of 10 clients who I tell to turn off the Wi-Fi at night, report better sleep, better dream recall, things like that. So, uh, it's just one of those things that people need to try for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you're healthy, even if you're of normal weight, you know, no blood pressure issues, no cancer issues, no immune issues, these are all steps to get you in the, in the right direction. But there's a lot of folks and you get these questions. I know I do where Mike, I'm doing everything like I'm eating good. I'm exercising good. I'm, you know, I'm getting sleep, but I still feel like crap. I have no energy or my hormones are off or whatever it may be. And so all these little things are iterative and they build upon uh, one another. So I like that you talked about the Wi-Fi. I think we mentioned this on your show, um, a mutual friend, Ben Lynch his children he are really sensitive to the emfs and so forth and he notices that when the wi-fi is on they just go berserk so what he actually did is he rewired his home to have just ethernet and um and he feels like it's a better connection anyway i don't know if i totally agree with him on that but i think it, it's a lot less exposure to his family having the ethernet so that's kind of an extreme example of things you can do but just turn off the wi-fi when you're not using it yeah. And I mean, kids are more susceptible too because their skull is not fully developed as well. So, I mean, if someone does have kids, this is more important for them as it is for you. Uh, a lot of people may just brush it off. I don't care. Well, do you care about your kids? You know, their proper development may or may not depend on the influence of these non-native EMF fields. So I've also talked with this guy, a neurosurgeon named Dr. Jack Cruz. He's been on my podcast before and he claims that EMF is highly dehydrating. He says that it basically hyperstimulates your cells, which may contribute to why uh, Dr. Lynch is saying his kids are hyperactive. Um, he claims that it basically hyperstimulates your cells, therefore taking more water out of the cell, therefore causing cellular dehydration. So a lot of his clients are dehydrated and he recommends them add even more water to their to their diet than they normally would if they're around a lot of EMF. So if they go on antennasearch.com and they find that there's two to 300 towers within a four mile radius of their home, like I did in Austin, I was thirsty all the time. And of course I lived in Texas. It's hot as can be. Uh, that's part of it too, but I can't prove or disprove that all those cell phone towers was dehydrating me as well. And I was up higher. I was on the third floor when I first moved there. And I mean, you're face to face with those. Like you said, you want to be down because the way that they emit their frequencies, they're going to go out 
they're not going to go down so much. They're going to spread wide and far. So if you are lower or you're in sort of a, a little valley in your town, that's a good place to be. Mm, okay. That's good advice. Interesting. That's awesome. All right. So uh, any other tips or hacks when it comes to de-stressing, deloading, and getting good sleep? I would just say to you really have to reframe your stress. And if you feel like you're overwhelmed with life, you have to reframe how you're looking at your situation. If you believe that you're out of control and you can't handle life, you're probably not going to be able to. But if you tell yourself, I can do this, I'm in charge of my health, I'm in charge of my life, no one's coming to save me. So I need to prioritize this stuff. I think that's a really helpful mindset shift. And this, as far as sleeping, um, just making sure that you're watching your artificial light, um, making sure that you're getting some source of relaxation into your, your life. So whether it's an Epsom salt bath, whether you're taking some magnesium malate or magnesium glycinate, um, whether you want to take some L-theanine, if you are having severe sleep issues, you can do like a short term passion flower. You could do chamomile teas. Um, holy basil is pretty helpful. Uh, Shizandra berries, pretty helpful. There's a lot of adaptogens you can take during the day to also help regulate sleep. Ashwagandha is super helpful, but a lot of people have nightshade allergies, so they can't tolerate ashwagandha. I can, so oftentimes I'll take 500 milligrams at about 8 p.m. and I'll lay down about 9, 9.30 and wow, you wake up feeling like a million bucks. You get sort of an afterglow effect. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been doing uh, lavender and chamomile tea, just like the whole herb and letting it steep for about five to seven minutes and uh, product by Zymogen, Relax Max, it has some of the ingredients that you mentioned like the magnesium glycinate, magnesium malate, taurine, myelinositol, theanine, GABA. So it's a nice blend there, but uh, so many great options and, and it really helps to get you know, those thoughts, you know, it's particularly for people that are busy entrepreneurs, healthcare practitioners, fitness professionals, weightlifting, whatever it may be, you know, it's, if you're a busy type A driven person, it can be challenging to unwind at night. So I think using some of these natural things that are also restorative are really beneficial. And, and it's nice to wake up and remember your dreams. That's when I know I had a really good night's sleep. That's awesome. Yeah. You pop into REM right there. You're like most of the time in the morning, you're in REM a lot more those last few hours, kind of that 7am to 9am. If people are lucky enough to stay in bed that long, that's where a lot of the REM happens. So it's kind of funny why you wake up and you remember the dream where in the middle of the night, you may not remember it. You may have been in one of those deep stages where you're not actually in the dream stage, so to speak. So sleep's a sleep's a interesting thing. We still don't even fully understand sleep. Right, right. Um, a, a friend of mine, a practitioner, recommended that I, before I get out of bed and, and you know get my natural sunlight and do meditation and so forth, that it's good to try and think through my dreams and try to remember them and not that to extract meaning, but just at least have it in my head. Do you have anything to say about should we sit there and maybe spend a few minutes to remember our dreams? And if so, why? Oh, I, I definitely do. I think dream recall is, is an important part of my life. Um, I mean, that that's time that you're alive as a human. So to just to just try to think like only the waking hours matter, that's not true. Your sleeping hours matter too. Like things that pop up, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about, well, for example, the short-term to long-term memory conversion, that happens a lot during sleep and your body and your mind is sort of regulating. Is this important? Was my talk with Mike today important? Okay. Yeah. Convert that over to long-term. I want to remember this day. This was a fun day. And if you don't have good dream recall or you don't prioritize it, your brain is just, it's not going to remember. But if you start getting in a habit of remembering your dreams and you can even get into dream analysis, if you want to, 
that can be really helpful to reveal some of the subconscious things that are going on with you. So if you're a struggling entrepreneur uh, like myself, I'll be honest, I had a dream last night even where I was going around this turn in my car and I tried to hit the brakes because I knew I was going around the turn too fast yeah. and, I, and I flipped the car. And so I got out of the car. This is in my dream, of course. Um, I got out of the car and all of a sudden my teeth were falling out. And I've had that dream as a kid. And, and then so my wife's like, oh, you must be losing hope. You know, that's you're losing all hope when your teeth fall out. And so I have like some little dream analysis books and you never know. But I've kind of been dabbling in a couple projects, like different little side projects. And some of them I'd be like, man, I don't really know if that project's going to work. So maybe that's popping up. My subconscious is feeling the same way. So really interesting stuff. The, I don't think they're there for no reason. I think that we've dreamt for eons for a reason, whether it was detox from reality, whether it was memory formation. I mean, it's not, you shouldn't just black out with a sleeping pill and then wake up. <laughs> right. Just pop an ambient and be on your way, huh? Right. Those pharmaceuticals are just so powerful at downregulating the body's GABA that, I mean, you're almost panicking without it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it's a big deal. Um, I remember my senior year of college, I was, you know, just taking physics and organic chemistry and biochemistry, you know, uh, evolutionary, uh, human and evolution, a bunch of different classes, right? That I was just totally stressed out during finals week. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about, I mean, I knew fitness stuff, but not about functional natural medicine. So I went to the, like kind of the doctor on site at the, the college, Western Washington university. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty common during finals week. Here's 10 ambience. I'm like, okay. Um, I you know, I'm like this, I Googled the mechanism of action and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this sounds pretty cool. But you wake up and man, you feel like you're in a daze. I mean, you definitely don't feel rested. Um, all the, you know, light bothers you. Like we mentioned earlier, like if you're adrenal fatigued and you look out in the sun, you know, that's why some people are really kind of overly sensitive to sunlight from adrenal issues. But that's kind of what I felt like after that. And I knew it wasn't good. So I, you know, didn't continue that. But, um, for someone that's been on something like that for a very long time, I just could imagine Imagine how difficult it'd be to get off. It's hard. I mean, it's hard for me because I, I can't get through to them to explain, look, nutrients can be powerful, but I mean, this pharmaceutical action on the brain, it's so much more powerful that if you've been taking this stuff for six months, it may take a minimum of six months for me to get you built back up. And then they just want to sleep now because you start freaking out when you're in a sleep deficit, your anxiety's higher, you, you know, this, your insulin's all screwed up, your ghrelin screwed up, you're hungry, you can't satisfy your appetite, you're putting on weight, you have bags under your eyes. I mean, people get really freaked out and they just want to sleep. And I have to tell them, look, it's going to take us a while to re-regulate this brain. So I encourage anybody, you know, if you have that prescription written, just be careful. That's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when I have a, a poor, bad night's sleep or something, you can get anxiety about going to bed and worrying that you're going to have another bad night's sleep. So I can see how it can be a vicious cycle, but that's where it comes back to doing these natural things. Like we talked about getting light during the day, you know, getting your circadian rhythms back on board, being grounded, getting rid of EMFs and things that may cause you to be dehydrated and stressed and so forth. So that, you know, you're not going so that at least you're, you know, the things that you can control from a biological perspective are all in rhythm. And if you can just manage your emotions and know that you're going to get to sleep because it's going to make you more productive and a better member of your community and society and family, then you'll probably have a better chance of doing that. Just popping a pill is a shortcut. You know, it's not going to get you there.
Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. And people joke about the zombie apocalypse. If Ambien made you feel that way and you think of how many people are out there on Ambien, I mean, sleep deprivation is a huge deal. We may be in the zombie apocalypse already. I mean, think about, you know, police officers and firemen and surgeons and think about all these people that have high stress jobs that are not sleeping well, therefore affecting their productivity. I mean, this is a huge deal that, you know, I'm glad to be able to bring this to your audience because we really need to get caught up to speed on proper ways to mitigate sleep issues because um, we don't really have a margin of error. I mean, think about a fighter pilot or something that's sleep deprived and he's, oh, I didn't mean to press the button. I'm just brain fogged because I didn't sleep well and I'm eating too much sugar. Oh, sorry. I launched the missile. You know, it's like, I mean, this could be, this could go bad in a big way one day. So we need to really um, get this topic into the mainstream and, and get people to understand that this is one of the most important foundations of a happy, healthy human. Yeah, I love it. Well, and just more productivity for your community, society and business or the company that you work for, you know, the less mistakes you're going to make, the, the less, you know, undue burdens you're going to put on other people, you know, because they're not going to have to correct your work, but also the safety of driving. You know, I mean, driving when you're tired is as dangerous as you know individuals that are drunk driving. So I think that's really a big deal. And you know, there's so many aspects of it. I like the kind of zoom in and zoom out here, Evan, with you. Now, before we kind of go to final questions, anything about sleep or stress reduction or EMS, you know, that we didn't talk about that you want to share? I would just say they could check out my two programs if they want to. The first one is called Stress Solutions and uh, it's an ebook, but then I also have four doctors come on to talk about their different lenses. Uh, this one guy, I mean, he was so cool. His name was Dr. Greg Emerson. You should get him on your podcast. Uh, he worked as like a trauma guy. So he was in a helicopter for the Canadian Royal something. And he would like rescue people on the side of the road in a helicopter that are basically on their last leg. And so I talked with him about, I mean, what do you do when you see somebody that their trachea is out of their body and they have two minutes to live? Like, how do you seriously deal with a traumatic situation like that? So, I mean, this guy told some amazing stories about if you are faced with one of those life or death situations or one of those really intense situations where somebody's coming after your kid and you need to be able to protect yourself and not just freeze up in a ball, how do you deal with that? And I think that was just a, I don't know, a really cool way to, to round out the interviews, but there's interviews, you know, with, with both of my programs that they could check it and not just paleo. That's all at my website. So uh, I need to send you copies of both of those, by the way, Mike. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to check that out. That's awesome. Um, when you were describing that uh, yeah, interview and one of your products, I thought of a book that our listeners might also be interested in too, called The Charisma Myth by this Olivia. I can't remember the author's name. It's on my shelf, but she talks about, you know, in situations like that where you're really stressed out or about to give a speech or, you know, you feel like you're freezing, just get grounded, reconnect. So move your toes, move your legs, you know, kind of just feel like the carpet under your feet or your socks and your shoes, whatever it may be. And just getting grounded will help you to kind of realize that, okay, I'm alive. I'm here. This situation will pass and come and go just like many other situations that were previously stressful or, you know, you perceive them to be unmanageable. Um, so that was one of my, I don't know if you check that out, but if you haven't, nice. um, Give that a good one. So uh, second final question here, Evan, if there's just one herb, nutrient, botanical or food substance that you recommend your clients and maybe you and your wife just never leave home without, what would it be and why? That would be rhodiola, uh, also known as the golden root. It grows in very hardy climates, uh, Siberia and a lot of indigenous type cultures use rhodiola because it really helps you adapt to stress and the stressor being 
crappy temperatures, probably negative 40. I mean, who knows what the temperatures are in Russia in the winter? It's freezing. Uh, so, you know, rhodiola is very helpful for me just as sort of a daily tonic. And I actually recommend it for all of my clients, especially menopausal women, because you need some support. Your sort of your gas tank is it, it needs some help. You need some refueling, and rhodiola can be sort of that nice, gentle, rhythm controlling substance to really help manage your stress. And part of, in my opinion, part of midlife crises and midlife burnout are because you're starting to really will tax the adrenals for one, but your rhythm is getting so unregulated from bad habits of staying up too late and alcohol and refined carbohydrates and emotional stressors and kids and all of this that I think that if you have a sort of protective mechanism in place and you're taking either a couple days a week or you're cycling on and off an adaptogenic herb like rhodiola, it could really help you prevent yourself from slipping down that slope like everyone else does. Obviously, you're always going to lose growth hormone and things like that with age, but what if we can just round out that a little bit and not make it such a plummet? We don't want a roller coaster. We want just a nice, easy ride into our middle and older ages. And, uh, and rhodiola is, I think, one of the most powerful but gentle at the same time urge that can help you do that mm -hmm. yeah one of my mentors i really agree with that uh, his name was gerard guillory he's a medical doctor in colorado and that was his favorite go-to for a lot of people you know pilots and people that worked um, you know as flight attendants um frontier airlines was you know kind of right by his office so there was a lot of employees and staff that worked for the airline that came in there and firefighters too and they just loved rhodiola so Awesome. Yeah. And I, I agree with that too, in, in the sense that uh, I think adaptogens have really helped my life with, you know, after college and doing bike racing and doing all this, you know, overtraining. because so I was, you know, didn't know what I wanted to do exactly with my life and was generally fatigued and uh, uh, adaptogens really helped and rhodiola is one of them. So awesome. yeah, Mike, I was going to say if I had a second to tell a, a quick story of kind of my experience with rhodiola before I got into the health world, I actually kind of at the beginning of my podcast, I was still working there. I was working at a place called the Parklands where I was basically maintenancing and helping build and clean up hiking trails. So I would probably be hiking five miles a day in the woods. My stress response was like, I was, I had zero stress. I mean, it was amazing. That was the best time of my life. And I didn't know how good I felt until I became a desk jockey and health coach and all that. But that's actually when I discovered rhodiola because I was getting pretty tired at the end of the day, you know, an eight hour day of hiking and working in the woods and lifting logs and wielding a chainsaw and driving a, you know, driving a four wheeler. I mean, that stuff gets exhausting. And I started, you know, finding different herbs for endurance. And I found rhodiola. So I just picked up now foods, their little 500 milligram rhodiola, 3% uh, rosevins extract. That's pretty standard. And I started taking some rhodiola and I didn't notice how good it worked until I didn't have it. But when on the days that I had it, or, you know, it's kind of a tonic effect kind of builds you up at the end of an eight hour day, I was ready to go another eight hours. I mean, I had no fatigue. I was climbing these hills. I mean, I was like, come on, let's where's some logs. I want to throw some trees. You know, I was ready, man. And it just really builds up the nervous system. It's just incredible. So just one last quick thing about that. It, a lot of people that I work with are so taxed that like an explosion or uh, a tire popping or even like if someone like if if your son were to or you know or your kid were to, were to have some bubble wrap and they pop a little bubble 
You know, some of my female clients, they'll, oh, they'll freak out. <laughs> right. and, it, and it sends the that sort of stress response. If you're on a sort of tonic effect like rhodiola, that pop can go off or you can hear a gunshot or whatever, and your nervous system is not going to respond in such a drastic measure. Yeah, it might still scare you a little bit, but you're not going to jump out of your seat and have heart palpitations just from a little bubble wrap. That's not normal. But with the support of rhodiola, I was fine. I've had many crazy events that happened out there working with cranes and big equipment and, you know, falling trees that are huge and tall and they snap and you're thinking, holy crap, is this going to come crush me? Those are stressful events. And I never lost my cool when I was taking rhodiola. Mm, Love it. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, I think it's really common, particularly with children, because that adds another level of stress. Like you mentioned with the, the bubble wrap popping or something and, um, and, and you can kind of lose your cool. And so, uh, and that's not good. I mean, it's not good for your hormones. It's not good for your blood sugar. It's certainly not good for your sleep. So, you know, these, these natural herbs and, and like, I love how you describe that they grow in these really harsh conditions in Siberia or wherever it may be, you know, so it's just taking a, a substance that's pretty resilient and kind of transferring that resiliency to your body is, is pretty cool. So it's so story. cool. And it's like wizardry. Yeah, it's really neat. So the final question we ask every guest in the show, Evan, is if you were to rub shoulders with a congressman, maybe President Obama or a future president, and they turned to you and said, Evan, you know, as a nutritionist and health coach, what sort of lifestyle or health tips would you want me to know so that I could share that information with Americans? What would you tell them and why? Oh man, that's a, it's a really good question. I, and I think you stumped me on this last time too, but I, I would just say the most important part of people's lives should be developing a small tribe. Loneliness is severely, severely bad on your health. And uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurs I know that are listening to this show and people like you and I, we work on the computer too much. We're isolated. We are designed as a species to have a tribe. You have to build that tribe. Yes, social media counts a little bit. Yes, podcasting with people counts a little bit, but there's nothing that beats the physical touch, you surrounding a campfire, you touching, you know, skin on skin, cuddling with your loved ones, boosting those oxytocin levels up. There's a reason that we feel so disconnected. There's a reason that depression levels are epidemic. There's a reason that uh, a lot of these social issues are happening. There's a, a, a reason that kids are getting bullied in schools every day. They're disconnected. Find your tribe, build it and nourish that tribe. If you have, and most people do, if you have less true friends, then, uh, then you can count on one hand, work on building up just one more, just one more finger. If you only have this one true friend, try to build that to two. If you have two, try to build that to three. If you have three, build it to five. You have five, build it to 10 and get a, get a social circle created where when you're with those people, everything's okay. The world might seem like it's in chaos to you outside of this circle. But for right now, when you have your tribe together for you, your wife and, and, you know, your family, you guys are building a family and you have that together and you bring over your friends and everything's okay. And I think if, if, if one family member can do that or one group of people can do that and we replicate that model, I think we can create a more cohesive society that is going to be more loving to one another. Uh, We're not going to be pulling guns out on each other at, at at the drop of a hat. Um, And we're just going to overall get along better because uh, 
and Mike, you and I both know when sugar and carbs and things like that are in the brain and you're not thinking clearly and you don't have a social structure, you're an isolated person just drinking Mountain Dew and playing video games all day and you're nuts. We don't want people like that. We need, we need a bonded culture. So I, I could rant for 30 minutes about this, but, um, but that's my, that's my strategy for people. Mm-hmm. I love it. Great strategy. And for folks, if they want to learn more about that, you've probably seen this happen. The, uh, uh Ted talk by Simon Sinek. I don't think I have. Is that the one about you can only store 150 names or something? No, it has to do with the circle that you're, that you're talking about in the, in the tribe and the, in the importance of that. And I heard him lecture at, uh, an event in fusion con back in, I think it was 2014. And, uh, you know, he, he started out, you know, the tribe and why that's so important and why I think one of the book is like why good leaders eat last. And it starts with why he's got a couple of great books out. Um, but if people want a visual to kind of talk about how you're talking about your 10 friends, nothing matters. You guys are there for each other. He has a, a great talk on that. So um, anyway, great information, Evan, from Not Just Paleo. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And what's your website again? Notjustpaleo.com. Love it. Awesome. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Mike. You too, man. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Mike. I know I was fired up for that show and It was a blast for me to record it. I love geeking out on subjects. I'm always behind the microphone, so I don't get to reveal as much of what's been in my brain uh, until I have these opportunities. So I I like to share these episodes with you occasionally. Now, if you want to check out the rhodiola that I recommend, just go to notjustpaleo.com slash adapt, A-D-A-P-T, like adapt like you're going to be adapting to all the new things that you're going to be facing in your life and you need some nutritional support. And you can see the rhodiola that I use and recommend myself. Also, there are eight spots left for my four-month coaching program that I would love for you to be a part of. If you just go to my website and you go to either the contact form and express your interest there or just email me directly at not just paleo at gmail.com and just put coaching in the subject line. I would love to hear what you've been going through and what type of help you need. And I would love to add you to this very exclusive list. There's going to be literally 12 people on the planet and that's it. This opportunity will open up again in September, but for now, this will be one of your last chances. So that's it for you, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm headed back out to the beach today. If you notice that this episode was a couple days late than normal, that's why I went and traveled to Las Vegas to see my family, and then we all traveled down to Florida, and we're hanging out in this little sleepy beach town here, and it's pretty peaceful. I'll say I've been uh, really enjoying myself seeing some crabs and lizards and some massive birds down here. It's awesome to be in a little tropical paradise. So I hope you're enjoying your summer. If your children just graduated or you all just got out of school, take some time to go enjoy your life. There's always time for work. Take yourself a couple days off. You deserve it and you need it so you don't burn yourself out. So that's all I got for you. Take care and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool Guess I got a line, let me please her She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible blues Why I'm in a tire, got to watch out, girl Don't wanna see her cry her eyes out, girl
up in one 